Well, it is great to, to have you here with us. Great to worship together. If this is your first time, we're going to look into God's word here for a little bit. We're going to end with communion and another song of worship. And so that's kind of what's coming uh, here in a few moments. But uh, just a couple things before we jump into the sermon. When you sat down, you either sat on one of these cards or you picked it up. And I want to remind you just that next week we start our Summer in the, in the Psalms series. And there's some things I want to highlight about that. Uh, that we're going to spend this summer looking through a psalm a week and challenging one another. Next week we're starting with a worship night. And we're very excited about this. This opportunity for us to have city psalms in here to worship with us. There'll probably be some other people from different churches because city psalms is a band and a team made up of a bunch of different people, uh, worship leaders and musicians from different churches around this city who are actually writing songs for Tucson. And so this is a, a great opportunity. We have a couple of our own people on there, and we're excited about having them kind of lead us. This is the first time they've been in a church setting as they get ready to go out and, and do this. And so we're excited to host them. And so I want to invite you to be back here next week, invite some friends for that. It's only worship. You won't have to listen to me speak. It's awesome. Uh, and so uh, just invite you back for that. And that kicks off our Summer in the Psalms series that we're going to spend all of June, all of July looking through different psalms, and then August fourth, our team will be doing a worship night, uh, that night to kind of bookend this series. And one of the things that we're really excited about is Psalms is one of those particular books that for some of you, you may not like poetry, and you may be like, uh, I'm an engineer, I don't like that. Uh, that's okay. I, I think you're going to enjoy this. There's some really practical and some incredible principles we get from the book of Psalms, and Psalms is written in a lot of ways from, uh, David writes a lot of those. There's other psalmists that written those are recorded that worship songs, basically, and poetry that helps us see God's character for who he really is in a brighter, more majestic way, helps us understand that all all of the emotions that we've been given are okay to bring before God, that he's not scared by any of those, and that we can do this. And so it's going to be a great series, I think, for us. And the challenge that we are challenging our whole entire church to is simply this. We want to challenge every single one of us. Everyone raise your hand if you have a hand. Okay. Uh, you're in. We want to read through the book of Psalms together the month of June and the month of July. Now, for some of you, I just blew your mind. Because you're like, I'm going to read the Bible every day? Yeah, you are. Uh, for this summer, we're challenging one another to do this. So next week, we're going to have a bookmark that actually has it spelled out like day one, read this. Day two, read, we're making it really easy. Or uh, you can open up the Bible app uh, on your handy-dandy phone. And if you scroll down to Bible and just click Bible, it's going to take you to the digital reading plan that you can actually do on your phone. And then you can set up a reminder to remind yourself. And so we're challenging, again, each one of us to read through the book of Psalms together in the month of June. And then we start over and do it again for the month of July. So summer in the Psalms is coming. Are you ready? You're ready. Okay, thank you for one person being ready. Awesome. Um, so we're going to have a great time with that. Now, tonight we are wrapping up a series called Irresistible Faith. And we've been looking at the last three weeks this idea of how do you grow in irresistible faith. Now, for some of you, you may be coming back to church and maybe uh, this is kind of brand new to you. and You're just kind of getting your feet set to understand what does it mean to have a spiritual journey. And I'm ecstatic that you're here. For some of us, you've been maybe walking with Jesus and in a faith journey with him for a while. And and what does it mean to grow in irresistible faith? Week one, we kind of looked at this idea that we're called to be salt and light, Jesus said. That we're to have this, uh, we're to have this preservative effect 
in the world. We're to bring light into dark places. We are to have an effect in the world as a follower of Jesus. We're to have an impact. Now, some of you may be there. Some of you may be investigating Jesus, and that's okay. But as a follower of Jesus, if you would call yourself that, you're meant to be salt and light, and we're meant to go and share this faith with other people. And that's challenging at times, and it's challenging in our world, in our context, where everyone seems to be hyper uh, agitated, shall we say, around a lot of different things. And so how do you figure out how to do this? Well, at week two, Michael Goodwin was in, and he talked about this idea of abiding in Jesus, that it all starts with abiding or remaining, would be another word you can think of, remaining connected to Jesus, and that as you stay connected to him, that's where this power comes from. It's taken from John 15, verse 4, says this, Jesus said, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It's this challenge that the core of our very faith of following Jesus means we've got to remain connected to him, which means we're remaining connected through prayer, through reading scripture, through being a part of the church. And as we let our roots grow down there and not get caught up chasing fancy things or bright, shiny things, but we just do the hard work of saying, God, I want to know Jesus better and just consistently doing that over and over, that Jesus will produce fruit in and through your life, part of being that salt and light. And not only do we remain with Jesus, but last week we talked about this idea of remaining with him means I'm remaining with brothers and sisters who are chasing after him, that I'm part of belonging to a community of people, a biblical group of people who are chasing after Jesus and trying to become more and more like him and letting his love and his hope and his grace change me to be more and more like him, that living in isolation was never part of the plan of what Jesus set up, that when he established the church, he said, I'm, I'm creating a group of people, and it's this movement. It's not designated to an address. It's a movement of people who are living life together, and as they live connected to me, they're beginning to belong to one another and practice the one another's of Scripture to forgive one another, to love one another, to bear each other's burdens, to sacrifice for one another, to give to one another. And as they do that, they're becoming to build more of this irresistible kind of faith that the we is greater than the me. Some people talk and they go, well, I don't know if I really need church. I don't know if I really need to belong to anything. And, and can I just honestly say, I have yet to meet somebody who has decreased church attendance or decreased connection and proximity to other Jesus followers who actually has an increase in their faith with Jesus. I have yet to meet somebody. Because there's something about belonging, there's something about this we being greater than me, that left to myself, it's not the best. Legos were created to connect. And you, my friend, me, my friend, we've been, connect, we've been created to connect. And that biblical community is something that Jesus wants to use to help change and shape us to be more and more like him. Uh, Francis Schaeffer is a pastor. He talks about this idea of biblical community and the effect it has on the world because we're supposed to be salt and light, right? And he says this, our relationships with one another is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community might just be the final apologetic that the way we live life together, Jesus said, all men will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Is love tough? Yes, it's challenging at times. But the way we live this out one to another, 
puts on display to a watching world, this is who Jesus is. And he deals with the mess and the beauty that comes in relationships. And then he deals in forgiveness, and he deals with restoration or reconciliation, that he's in as much a part of that as he is the highs of life that happen in community. You are a part of community in one shape or form or another, and you have been blessed by it. Now, have you been blessed by being a part of a community as well or or hurt by community? Probably because we have a tendency to rub each other the wrong way. And maybe you were in a dysfunctional group that you were connected to, whether that was your biological family or a group that you were connected to. But as a biblical community, we're trying to live this out the best we know how, inspired by our irresistible Savior to become an irresistible kind of community. And as you stay connected to him, and as you stay connected to this community that's growing in that, that you are then becoming an irresistible kind of Christian. And can I just say, our world needs more of us like that. Our world needs more people who are living out this irresistible kind of faith. Not perfect, because nobody is. But the best we know how, following after Jesus, we are people who the world needs to see. Followers who are beginning to live out the grace and hope of Jesus. Who are living out forgiveness in a flow of relationships. Who are living out, how do you serve one another and put someone else's needs above your own? That it's not just about you. How do you practice what you preach and walk out what you talk? That the world needs to see more believers and more Christians like that who don't just talk a good game, but who actually live out what they're talking about. And they begin to practice it the best they know how in the moments that they're in. That we're to live this out as a church community and then extend that out to the influence and reach that you have. You have an influence and a reach. Did you know that? You have an influence and a reach, a sphere of influence that you have that no one else has. The person next to you doesn't have it. You have it. And God has crafted you in a way to be the best possible person, to have an influence and a reach for Jesus, to be salt and light, to be an irresistible Christian, a follower of Jesus right where you're at. And that that's the task and that's the beauty of what we've been given. That whatever one's place, whatever age or influence you have, all Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit's power, bestowed by the Father's wisdom through Scripture, and energized by the love of Jesus to have an impact right where they are. That's your calling. That's my calling. That we're to live this out. The Bible talks about it in such a way that you are an ambassador. Now, we don't know much about that because I don't know about you, I don't carry like an ambassador card You might have a membership card to Costco or to something else, but like ambassadors, probably not a title that you carry. If you do, I'd love to meet you because that sounds cool. Uh, But like you probably don't have that card. But the reality is the scriptures would say that you are, as a follower of Jesus, an ambassador sent by someone, by Jesus himself, to represent him wherever you go. That's what an ambassador does. They represent the interest and the will of the one who sent them. And throughout the scriptures, that's what we're called to do, that you have been given, in essence, a job description. How many of you have job descriptions at work? You would say, okay, I have a job description, right? Do you know from a biblical stance and from a scriptural stance, you have been given a job description from Jesus? 
If you've never thought of it like that, I want you to think of it like that. That you've been given this job description from Jesus to say, you are going to be my ambassadors. You're representing me wherever you go. You're to be salt and you're to be light. You're to make a difference, have an influence on my behalf, on my presence is to go with you. Uh, Scott Sauls wrote a book called Irresistible Faith. It's where we based a lot of this series out of. It's a great book. And in it, he writes about this Christian job description. So can I just read it to you? Because I think it's brilliant. And it helps us get our mind around it. All Christians are called as Christ ambassadors into places they live, work, play, and worship with the glorious purpose of leaving people, places, and things better than they found them. This is the universal Christian job description, that we are all called, wherever we go, to leave people, places, and things, or situations better than you found them. That's your job description as a follower of Jesus, that wherever you go, whether that's to work, whether that's to school, whether that's to the ball fields, whatever that may be, into your networks, into your connections, into your situations that you traverse, everywhere you go, you're an ambassador for Jesus to leave people, places, things, situations better than you found them. I want you to think of a simple mantra, leave it better. What if we as followers of Jesus just begin to live with that in mind? That wherever I go, I just leave it better. Because that's what Jesus did. You can't help but study his life and see the interactions from whether it was a single person, whether it was a crowd, whether it was whatever situation, tense or uh, just friendly and, and a party. He was everything from parties to, to meeting with people on the side who were politicians and in great power of the day. In every situation you read about Jesus, he just left it better. It's what he did. And what if we as his followers just said, hey, Jesus, I want to get better at that. I want to get better at leaving it better. I don't even know what all that means and how exactly I play that out, but I want to get better at carrying your mission forward. The very first week we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it said this, Christ's love compels us that those who live should no longer live just for themselves. Listen, remember, it's not about you. Sorry to remind you. It's not about you. It's not about me. As a follower of Jesus, the, the, the sphere goes bigger. You have to think bigger than just yourself. That Christ's love compels us. Remember in Greek, that word compel was literally grabbing someone by the shoulders and not giving them an option to go left or right, but to go forward. Christ's love compels us that we should no longer just live for ourselves, but we live for something greater. It goes on, verse 16, so that from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore what? Christ, there's that word. What's that word? Oh, good, you could read. Okay, Christ's ambassadors. What is that? Someone who's representing Jesus wherever you go. So tomorrow morning when you're pulling up to the gas station, you're Christ's ambassador. 
when you're walking through the front door of the office, you're Christ's ambassador. When you pull up at the end of the day at home and your dad or mom and you're pulling in, guess what? You're Christ's ambassador. When you show up at the ball field uh, to coach or to cheer on your kid, you know what you are? Christ's ambassador. When you go out to dinner as a family later on Thursday to celebrate, guess who you are? You're Christ's ambassador. When you come here on Sunday, you're a bunch of Christ ambassadors hanging out together, gathering to be encouraged to then sent out to be, guess what? Christ ambassadors. You're representing him wherever you go. You are a full-time, all-the-time Christ ambassador. Now, some of you feel like, well, that's way too much pressure. Listen, when you're home and it's just you at home and there's no one else, You can chill, but you're still Christ's ambassador to yourself, okay? You don't get to clock out of this. It isn't something that a punch card, you know, you don't go, okay, well, six days a week, I'm that. No, no, no. This isn't, you have a job description, but this is not a job, okay? You don't get to go out. This is an eight to five thing. This is an all-time, full-time kind of deal that you are now Christ ambassadors everywhere you go. The gift of your presence requires you to be brave at times, friends, to be available, to be a person who listens, to exhales Jesus wherever you go. Is that challenging? Yes. You know why it's beautiful? Because you don't have to do it by yourself. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit who empowers you to be Christ ambassador wherever you go. It's not about you trying to do this. It's about you abiding and remaining in Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. But you remain in me, and you'll bear much fruit. Do you see how all this fits together? This is about abiding in Christ. It's about belonging to a a biblical community and then being living as a sent out one, as an ambassador to the people around you to be salt and light. It's cyclical. All this fits together. And that we're called to be this. We talk a lot about this, uh, about inviting, creating a culture of inviting. That's why we give you cards that you can use to invite to people. That's why we have an app that you can text to people. We want to create tools and opportunities for you to invite people. To invite people to live life with you. We talk about this idea of the bless strategy. Uh, Remember, we talked about this from the very beginning. We've been doing this for about a year now. Just saying, hey, uh, begin with prayer. It all starts with prayer. Pray for the people that you interact with daily. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your friends. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your family. Pray for them. Be a person who listens to people. We live in a world that loves to talk. We don't live in a world that listens very well. So what if Christ followers just began to listen? How many of you like to eat? That should be all of you. You like to eat. Uh, Eat with people. Just kind of share meals with people. Be around people. Serve people as you can. Serve your neighbors or your coworkers. As needs arise, just kind of step in and say, hey, I can help with that. And then as the moments come, share your story. Share Jesus' story with them as the moments arise, as the opportunities come. We're to be people who live this out. What if the church, not just elements, what if the church actually just started doing this? I think the ripple effect could be huge. That we talk about creating a culture of inviting. Inviting is tough. 
Uh, I know, especially inviting to spiritual things, to church or to things like that. You know, studies talk about that uh, if we were to take a survey of this room, 2% of you would actually invite someone to church in the next year. Think about that. So 98% of us would say, yeah, it's kind of scary. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I'm willing to risk. I've invested a lot in this relationship, and maybe that guy's going to say something weird, and it's going to make it awkward, and then I'm burning these relational chips, and I don't understand. And so to be really honest, that's why we try to be normal and not weird. There you go. We, we try to be normal, at least somewhat normal. We don't try to be weird because we know it takes a lot to invite people. And so we want to be a place, and maybe some of you are sitting here and you were invited tonight. Hey, glad you're here. Um, we're trying to be normal. That's, this is our best attempt. Um, but we're trying to be a place where you can invite people to say, hey, come live life with me. I'm finding something. I'm discovering something in this spiritual journey of following Jesus that's just different. It's changing me. And I know that maybe that sounds weird, but just would you just come? Would you just hang out with some of my friends? Would you just meet them? It would, and if there's anything we can do for you in life, could we just pray for you? Could we serve you in some way? Could we help in some way? Because we actually care. What if the church actually just cared about people? That we begin to live this out and practice this in a way that begins to show people that disciples of Jesus, people who are apprenticing their life after Jesus, are just trying to be more like him. I, I don't see many people through the scriptures and through the gospel accounts of Jesus' life who don't like him other than the religious leaders of the day who were upset that he was messing up the power structure of how things worked. But Jesus, most of the people, who were nothing even like Jesus, actually liked Jesus. And I find that to be true even now. Because there's something about Jesus that's just beautiful. And what if we can love and be like that? Uh, it's funny that 2% of people in church will actually invite people. Here's the crazy opposite stat, is 83% of your friends, if you were to invite them, would actually come. That's what studies say. And so there seems to be this tension that's non-existent, and that really isn't even there, but we put it there. That what if we just invited people, and more than likely, maybe eight times out of ten, they'd actually say yes to come serve with you. Some of you invited people to come serve at the Generosity Feeds event, and we packed meals for 51 minutes because you guys are so fast, um, and they showed up to do it. I met a, a lady here last week who came to that, and then actually followed up her friend's invite to church and showed up simply because there was something about this community that she was like, I, I just want to hang around a little bit more, that there's something about this. That's awesome. That's what we want because I think that's all about this relational evangelism is trying to help people see Jesus in a way that is authentic and real and not packaged and not in a way that is discongruent with real life but trying to help people experience him. And that you and I, we have a get-to kind of attitude. I get to be an ambassador for Jesus today. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, I get to be an ambassador for Jesus. How crazy is that? That me, little old me, who's broken and messed up, I actually get to be on Jesus' team. He actually picked me. He actually wants me to be salt and light to the people around me, and he empowers me to do so as I remain and abide in him. 
This is a beautiful work of how this is meant to be. You are his ambassador. Remember the job description again? All Christians are called as Christ ambassadors into places they live, work, play, and worship with the glorious purpose of leaving people, places, things better than they found them. What if we just lived with that mantra, leave it better? Leave it better. Friends, I want you to latch onto that. I want you to hold onto that. Leave it better. Leave the people you meet better. Leave the conversations you have better. Leave the things that you engage in better. Leave the places that you go better. Because you're Jesus' ambassador as you go. You're to leave it better. And secondly, you're to lead to Jesus. This is the challenging one. You're actually to lead people closer to Jesus in how you live. And that's kind of the easy part. It's easy in some way, shape, or form to, to say, I'm going I'm to love people well. Uh, I'm going to be honest about who I am and authentic. And I want to evangelize in a way that is real and, and not packaged. And, and I want to, to kind of help people see Jesus in maybe a brighter, more beautiful way. And maybe I want to invite them in that journey and along with me, I want to invite them maybe to church. You work up the courage to do that. But friends, there's going to be opportunities as you live this out to do the next step and to take it deeper. And that's what I want to challenge you with tonight. And I know this is scary. I know this is challenging, what I'm about to say. And I know for some of you, you will be like, I don't know if I could ever do that. But I want to help give you a little bit of a handle of how you might be able to go do this. Because I think as you live this out, opportunities will open up for you to not just leave people better, but to lead them to Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. That you begin to help people understand who Jesus is. To understand what we would call the gospel is. The gospel is just a, a fun word that says good news. Here's the good news of Jesus. That he made a way for us to have life with God through faith in him. It's not about your efforts. It's not about your energy. It's not about what you try to do. It's everything about what Jesus did. His life, his death, his resurrection. He made a way for us to have a right relationship with a perfect and holy God. We don't have to figure that out, but he made a way. And so how do you begin to share that story, that share the gospel with people that they really, see, if we never get around to actually sharing the gospel with someone or telling someone about how God loves them, then we're really just friending people all the way to hell. And I know that sounds tough, but friends, the gospel's real. And it's necessary. Why? Because I need it. Because left to myself, I'm broken and I'm sinful and there's no way I could figure out a way to be perfect or holy enough or good enough to work my way to having a relationship with God. I just couldn't do it. And here's my hunch. In fact, here's the truth. You couldn't either. That's the beauty of the gospel. Whether this is your first night in church or your 1,000th night in church, the gospel is the same. Jesus made a way for us to have a relationship with the perfect, holy God, the creator of all. He's the one that it's all about. And so how do you begin to have a spiritual conversation? How do you live this out? I've seen things from, uh, I remember sitting in a KFC years ago and watching a person take a little track. Anyone ever seen a track before? I'm not talking like a music track. 
Right? Yeah, because most of you are like, well, track, music track, you just send that via text. No, no, I'm talking like a track, like a thing, a little booklet that said, here's the four spiritual laws. Here's how you can have a relationship with God. And, and I remember seeing a bunch of different things. Anyone ever found, uh, they used to have one that was like a million dollar bill on one side, and they would leave it on the ground, and people would pick it up, be like, a million dollar bill, what? And you turn it over, and then it's just talking about Jesus, and you're like, oh, man, I got chipped. It's not a million dollars. It's kind of weird, okay? It's just kind of weird. Uh, tricking people in, in a way. There's lots of tools that are out there, but to be really, I think, authentic and real, um, can I just show you one? And if you were here four years ago, we walked through this. So this will be a reminder. If you weren't here four years ago, hey, glad you're here now. Um, I want to walk you through one verse in the Bible. If you can memorize one verse in the Bible, and if spiritual conversations begin to happen as you are leaving it better with people, here's a way that you can begin to lead people closer to Jesus, and it's up to them what the decision is. But here's how it is. It's quoting one verse in the Bible. It's John 3.16. See, the truth is people are willing to listen. Uh, I love what Mother Teresa said this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So as you're leaving it better, as you're actually caring for people, they may want to know why you're doing that. First Peter talks about always be prepared to give an answer to the hope that you have. We looked at that the very first week. And so how do you do that? John 3, 16. Here's how that verse is. Because this verse kind of captures the whole gospel message. Why? Because it's important to understand. Because there's a great big myth out there. Uh, that I just want to debunk a little bit because the scripture kind of debunks this. The one big great myth out there is that, that good people go to heaven. That if I'm good enough and I do more good things than bad things, then God will weigh that out in some big giant cosmic scale and when the good outweighs the bad, then he's gonna get, I'll get to heaven and he'll just kind of open the door and let me in because my good outweighed my bad. But here's the problem. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Because none of us are good enough. That's why the scriptures say over and over that we've all gone astray. There's not one of us who would steer our heart toward God in and of ourselves. That it's the Holy Spirit's job to pull us and to kind of woo us back to our creator. Because we all like to go our own way. We all have drifted away from God. And John 3.16 is a verse that Jesus is having a conversation with one of the religious leaders of the day, Nicodemus. And in that conversation, Jesus begins to lay out some things about who he is and what he's come to do. Now, John 3.16 is a verse you have probably seen John 3.16 somewhere. In fact, I'll show you a picture here. John 3.16 has probably been somewhere that you've seen it. If you've been to In-N-Out before and looked underneath a cup, you may have seen it. It's a verse reference that's there. They have about four or five different verse references because the original owner, creator of In-N-Out, is a believer. And uh, maybe you've been to uh, a football game and you've seen a person holding the John 3.16 sign. I'm just pointing this out that the bottom picture here is at a Steelers game. So I don't know if the Steelers are God's favorite team. I'm just throwing it out that potentially that may be. It's just, it's my favorite team. So it's just coincidence. I don't know. But John 3.16 is there. And maybe uh, you've seen that reference before. And as spiritual conversations begin to happen with your friends, maybe this is something you can simply say, you know, it's been awesome 
uh, to spend life and to do life together, and, and you've been asking me, like, why am I different? Um, if I could show you just one verse out of the whole Bible that I think captures God's heart and, and captures who he is and what he's about, would you be up to hear that? Well, sure, I'd hear that. Okay, well, in fact, it's a verse that maybe you've actually seen. Maybe you've seen a person holding a sign that says John 3.16 behind goal posts, and you're like, I don't know what that verse is, or maybe you didn't even know it was from the Bible. But can I just tell you what that verse is? Because I think it, it encapsulates everything about who God is and what his heart's like and, what he, and who he's for. And here's what that verse says. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. That that one verse captures everything about who God is and who he's like and who he pursues. In fact, I can write it out on a napkin. This is something you can use wherever you're at. If I could show you one verse, here it is. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, and here's what you do. You circle four things. Here it is. You ready? Show the next slide. For God so loved the world, that he so loved. God so loved the world. Who is God? Well, God's the creator of everything. And what's he really like? Well, he's a God who loves. He loves the whole world. In fact, you can actually put your name in this verse. For God so loved Jack that he gave his one and only son, that if Jack would believe in him, he wouldn't perish, but he'd have life with God forever. That you can insert your name or your friend's name into this. God so loved, and what does love do? Well, love gives. It's just what love does. You love people, and what do you do for them? Well, you just give to them. That's what love does. God so loved that he gave. You can go to the next one. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, you'd circle that. It's not about believing in yourself. It's not about believing in you being good enough. It's not about believing in I'm gonna do enough good things. It's about believing in not just something, but someone. God loved the world. God loved you, so he gave his son. And if you believe in him, that you can have eternal, Life, life with God, from now on into eternity, everlasting forever. Here's what it is. God loved, so God gave. And if you believe, you can receive. That's the gospel, friends. As simple as I can make it. That's the good news that the scriptures point us to, to Jesus himself. That God so loved, and what's beautiful is the very next verse, if you have time for a second verse, here's when it says, that for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. That's God's heart. He's for people. He's for you. And if you'd believe in him, believe in his son, his life, his death, his resurrection, that you can have life with God, relationship with him now on into eternity. This isn't about getting a Willy Wonka golden ticket when you die that gets you an entrance into heaven. This is about having life with God now on into eternity. You never stop having life with God. So this is about challenging us to be people who leave it better. That's our job description. It's about challenging us and we have opportunities to lead people closer to Jesus. Now, I know for some of you, 
you're like, well, that's way too challenging. Like, you're a pastor that rolls off your tongue. That's really easy for you. And you can spell and write on a napkin. And that's cool. And I can't. And I don't ever have a pen. And, you know, just you can have a lot of excuses, okay? But I'm telling you, I think this is the most relational, authentic, real way that you could actually share the gospel with someone and to let them know God loves them and God's for them and he's for their best. Now, do you have some instant pushback I know is, well, they're gonna ask me questions about the dinosaurs. They're gonna ask me questions about all this stuff. And and can I just say, you don't have to have an answer to all the questions. I don't. But here's where it goes. You get back to, listen, I don't know all the answers to all those questions, but I'd be happy to go on a search with you to find them because I've still got some questions too. Here's what I know. God loved, so he gave. And when I believed, I received something that has changed me. And then you just share your story a little bit of how God's impacting you, how Jesus is changing you. And this becomes very real and very authentic, and it's not canned, and it's not programmed. It's just trying to be real with people. I want to leave better, leave it better, and I want to lead people closer to Jesus. The best I know how in living this out, that you begin to, to live this and practice this. See, religion believes in what you can do, but Christianity is based on what Jesus did and what he has accomplished and what he's done. That Jesus has a way of loving us and helping us get better. So here's the simple challenge I want to invite you to. Uh, Two things. One, I want you to push yourself to be a person who could try this if you've never done it. A, I want you to push yourself to leave it better, just to live with that, ice, that mindset that, hey, a Monday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, when I wake up, I just want to leave it better. Leave the people, places, things, situations I encounter. I want to leave it better for Jesus. Jesus, would you help me do that? And as you raise up opportunities for me to have a conversation about spiritual things, then would you help me to remember how to find a napkin? And would you maybe memorize one verse of Scripture? And would you maybe even practice this, writing this out? Not because you got to get better at it, just because you don't want to feel awkward doing it. And so you just practice it, okay? What does it look like to circle these things and talk about it? And so that you have an answer to lead people closer to Jesus, an opportunity. Um, We're going to do a class. Uh, In fact, Tyler, are you here? There's Tyler. Megan, uh, Megan's somewhere. Uh, Tyler and Megan are going to lead a class here in the middle weeks of June called How to Share Your Faith, okay? How to have spiritual conversations just for three Sundays at four o'clock, so an hour before service on those three Sundays. And there's a sign-up list out at the table, the Next Steps table. We'll talk about it in a couple weeks, but here's what I want to challenge you to do. If this is something that you feel like, man, I want to get better at this, then just sign up for that class and go for three weeks. I'm asking you to invest three hours of your entire life to say, hey, I can get better at this. I can do this. I can make some progress. And as a community of people who are learning from one another, you will get better at this. And you'll have, and you'll be amazed at the opportunities God opens up for you to do this. I know when you start having spiritual conversation, there's instant fear that rises up within you but you are not a slave to your fear. Jesus, who is in you, who is greater than your fear. And I think our world is a watching world that needs people who will step into moments and to say, I have an answer. 
I think for the longing of your heart and the things you've been trying to search for that have not supplied what you think you need. And maybe it's because it's stuff and you actually need a savior. Can I introduce you to the person I know that I've met who's changing me? So there's two groups of people here. One is there might be some of you here who you just heard the gospel for the very first time. And I wanna challenge you to say yes to Jesus. Do you have to have all the answers? Nope, I still got questions. But maybe you need to say yes to who Jesus is, that it's through his life, his death, his resurrection that he made a way. As we celebrate communion here in a minute, we're remembering back that he didn't just talk about it. He actually lived his love out loud for people, for you. For God so loved you that he sent his one and only son, that if you would believe in him, you could have life with him from today on into eternity forever. And for others of us here, you've heard the gospel and the challenge is real simple. You need to be a person who leaves it better, who lives out the gospel, but also who is ready to share the story of Jesus with people. And maybe you can do it as simple as on a napkin with one single verse of the entire scriptures. Maybe this is actually doable. And so that's what I wanna pray over you and for us as a church, that we would be people who leave it better, that we would continue to bring the hope and light of Jesus to the heart of the city, we leave it better. Every conversation, everything that we engage in, that we'd also be people who are stepping up to begin to lead people to Jesus a little bit closer. Because sharing is caring. It's, it's this idea of I share enough with you and I care enough about you that I'm, I'm gonna actually share this story with you and my story, how God's changing me. And so, Father, that's what we pray. God, if there's any here who are hearing about Jesus in maybe a way that they've never seen, he, maybe they've just thought Jesus was a good guy and a good healer and a good teacher and a, and a good humanitarian in life, but Jesus, you are so much more than that. You're the savior of the world. And it's only through you and a faith in you that we can come and have a relationship with God. You paved a way. You made a way. You didn't make us have to figure it out because you knew we could never get there because God, you loved and you gave. And if we believe, we can receive. We can have life with you. So for maybe for some of us, we need to say yes to that. And if that's you tonight, I wanna challenge you to come down front at the end of the service just to tell us so we could celebrate with you that you would be saying yes to Jesus and, and figuring out the rest as you go, but aiming your life in his direction. For all of us, God, I pray that you'd challenge us to be people who would not just leave it better, but we'd begin to be people who can lead people to Jesus a little bit closer, maybe sharing our story, sharing your story, the good news of Jesus and who he is. And so as we take communion here, we remember it is his life, his death, his resurrection. As we hold that bread, remember that it was your body broken for the forgiveness of our sins, that we may be made right with you, there was your blood shed that for the forgiveness of our sins, the cleansing of our soul, that we might have a relationship with you. Jesus, you are the one who made a way. We get to live with the delight and the pleasure of that. We didn't have to figure it out. You figured it out for us. And as we sing this closing song, I pray, Father, that you'd stir our hearts. May we be a church that leaves it better and gets better at leading people closer to Jesus. We pray that. In his precious name.